Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits at the Recycle Garage in <laughs> not so sunny and wacky Santa Cruz. Wait, <laughs> is it not wacky? Yes. Okay. It's technically challenged. <laughs> we got a full house tonight. Uh, over in the corner, there's Stan. Good evening. And Bagel. Hey, hey. Running the board tonight is Zach. I exist. Your host, Liza. Sup, my homebrew. Okay. <laughs> That's worse than the last one. I know. Go Sit, back. Sitting next to me is Knock. Yes, this is me. I am Douglas. We got Serge. Hey. Angelica. Hello. We got Charlie. Hi. Jim. P- push it real good. <laughs> <laughs> and falling asleep in the in the back is uh, Lucas. Makes his big return. Hi. I've got bowls of steam. Yeah. There it is. You're a catchphrase, <laughs> dude. All right. Liza, take it away. Cool. Thanks, Douglas. So um, let's uh, cover real quick what we did this weekend. Because uh, Stan, Zach, and Jim and I went and did something pretty cool yesterday. Just uh, real briefly, we'll talk about... We went and um, saw a guy named Chip Yates talk. And for people who don't know him, he's, mm-hmm. he's pretty badass. He started out racing motorcycles and then uh, setting some speed records on his homemade electric motorcycles. Mm-hmm. 200 now, miles an hour. And now he's doing electric airplanes. This guy is amazing. And, and he's Brilliant. maybe 35, I think. He has a oh. nine-year-old kid. It was wow. Like, he's just, he's just yeah. his hair is on fire. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has balls of steel and they're hairy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. the hair is steel. doesn't grow on steel. <laughs> it's steel wool. Yeah. But yeah, that was really cool. And, yeah. Um, it was super cool. And today we got some stuff done. Charlie, I think, had the biggest triumph today. <laughs> a big shitty yeah. grin on his face yeah. right I now. I nominate too. him the, the uh, star. Gold star. Oh, gold star of the day. Yeah, I, I, I clean my chain. so we had a a scooter donated to us uh, a while ago that's been sitting it's a scooter frame with an engine on it 10 years how many cc was it has it really been sitting for 10 years yeah it's an elite 52 stroke that has no body panels on it whatsoever it's just had something frame it had a panel covering the the air intake (laughs) air filter and Charlie, um, that was a bird nest. Charlie, a couple people have done some turns on this, but Charlie was the next. So I pointed to the thing in the corner and said, "Hey, go make that run." And I, th- I think he thought he was being punished for something when I did it. But yeah. everybody's getting punished for something. I thought it was a joke at first, to be honest. No, I thought it had potential. Still is. Um, and so Charlie took the carbon part and cleaned it, and then he didn't put it on before the rainstorms. Yeah. Um, so then we got uh, water inside of the piston. Oh. Um, so we got that out. We made a bracket for something, whatever. But we got the water out, and we cleaned the spark plug with the... Bead blaster. Bead blaster, yeah. And uh, had spark, and it kicked over, and it just started running. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 no. It running for a little bit, and then no, it died. No, 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 no. It puttered. It didn't run at all. You were kicking and kicking and kicking. Yeah. Uh, and then I came over and I was like, just purge the carb. And so they, they just let out all the 
fluid in the float bowl and like four or five ounces of water came out. There's about four or five gallons of water coming out the exhaust. No, 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 no. Before that, it was check the spark plug, see if there's spark. And what did you find when you pulled the spark plug out? Um, A lot of water and. Something. There was a lot of water and oil mix. Ooh. Yeah, there was a nice thick mayo across the uh, the spark plug. Yeah. Because when you leave a bike with no carburetor out in rainstorms, this happens. And so then it was kick, kicking it, and it was just shooting water out the spark plug hole. <laughs> and amazingly, though, after another carb clean and cleaning of the spark plug with the bead blaster... This thing was running. Sweet. Yeah, once you, got, doing burnout. once you got an air filter yeah. in there, yeah, there's no yeah. problem. Well, you mean uh, a greasy, wet rag? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wait, well, we need something to restrict the airflow. Just once it, once there, it got side running, cover on, call it done. Once it was running, we took the rag out, and it was running even better. Yeah, it was, it was running Really? Great. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Not surprised. He's like, really? <laughs> took the rag out? And then... Um, we, we had a visitor today, which was cool. James from Canada was down here. Manitoba, on his, yeah. Yeah, on his R6. He went from Manitoba to here on his R6. No. He uh, actually, he's a truck driver, and he put okay. it in the truck. Uh, okay, close cool. And, yeah, but he listens to us, and he was excited to come down. He was like, yeah, thanks for coming by, dude. He was a super cool. We love having visitors from out And I think he did a battery change or something, right? Yeah, he had a ballistic that went south on him. Yeah, so he did, like, a quick battery change. And Liza knows nothing about the ballistic batteries. (laughs) (laughs) You mean the volcano battery? (laughs) But you do know about the gel battery. (laughs) Yeah, I got a new gel battery that looks all space-agey. I don't know. Was it cherry or lemon or... Oh, uh, never mind. Yeah. And <laughs> then um, and then this morning we did a breakfast ride, yeah. which I have to say when I got up this morning and I said, whose dumb idea was this to do this in the winter Yours. when it's rainy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go fudge. I'm the one who set it up. I have to get out there. I was yeah. I was impressed. Everyone showed up. I thought people would be bagging out. It was nice. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a four person ride. I was, I was this close to texting you. <laughs> I'll meet you See? at the restaurant. <laughs> See? <laughs> Yeah, so it was good. So we had a lot of fun, and then there was uh, other people here today, and there was much oil spilled. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh. The, the old uh, forgot to put the drain stop plug, <laughs> cool. drain plug As back in. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's like not only a, a waste of a whole quart of oil, it's just like there's shit all over the ground of, uh, in the parking lot that we don't own. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the I just put brand new synthetic oil in my bike, but. Apparently, the oil filter seal isn't sealing, and it's puking out. Oh, different bike. Yeah, yeah. So, and so Andre was like, so I think I'm going to go up to the store and buy a brand new oil tub so that I can drain my oil and just put it back in. And it's like, you know what, bro? You totally do that. While you're there, just get some new oil. I just said, just... Just pull the air, the oil filter off and he, and just add more. Just don't go through all the trouble to try and Did he buy really it. expensive oil or something? I think he did. Oh, I, I, like I know that feel, 1980 bro. 1980 CB750, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he bought AMS oil. Yeah, oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah but he got it done. And yeah, so there was <clears> some successes. And then John got the the donated Virago running today. Was that the uh, maiden yeah. voyage you took today? Uh, yeah, I took it down the street with no front brake. Did he you know. fix the uh, <laughs> the second cylinder uh, that was not classic. firing right? No. No. <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he started to, but first I insisted so. on going riding on it. Um, 
I mean, it goes down the street and how bent are the handlebars? They're bent. Yeah, they're bent. He um, needs to like go to, through the carbs before he does. Yeah, yeah. Else. He, no, he took the carbs off. Oh yeah, but yeah, he's super them. stoked. And I've never encountered this. That engine sounds just like a VW bus. <laughs> it's got that little bit of a ding, ding, ding. Well, he drives ding, like ding, a ding. like an '85 like Toyota van yeah. or something like the predecessor to the like the Moon the Supra. Van, used to call it. And it sounds just yeah. like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So considering the 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 dreary weather, we had a lot of good successes today. So that was awesome. Yeah. There's been a lot of old bikes getting back up and running lately, like over the last few weeks. When you think about it. I still have a list of mine. Oh, yeah. Between the scooters and the Ninja and John's bike. and Not as long as my list. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So um, I wanted to get right into what's in the box. (coughs) What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What is in the box? Pizza? A few weeks ago, we got a box in the mail, and I haven't had an opportunity to bring it out and share it. So, um... Some people here know what's in the box, but Douglas doesn't. So I'm gonna let him open the box. Oh shit! And describe everything <laughs> it's a that's in it. Box of dicks is what it is. <laughs> it's a man-eating honey badger. <laughs> Guess he already has a dick on the mic. So. <laughs> so that dick will jump right at you. The box was sent to us from. Um, what color? Is I'm the just box? gonna out him. It's hey, brown. Larry. It's from Larry at Creative Writing, who started his own podcast. It's writing R I D I N G. Oh, what? Yeah. And wow. he took the time to make this present for us. And uh, I, we were so actually flattered. listening to his podcast at breakfast down in Watsonville before we went to okay. the experimental so aircraft thing. Re- so ex- describe what you're pulling out. Uh, I'm pulling out a plaque, and it's got a microphone on it with a twisted cord, and, uh, and it's got paint a on it. With golden a, microphone. Right. Golden. It's got a uh, uh, some paint on it with some uh, lettering. It says "Best Podcast" on it. Yay! And it's that about was so sweet. Yeah, it's about nine or ten inches tall, about six inches wide, maybe a little bigger than that. Hey, um, I, I will take and a the plaque homemade is big trophy. too. That's fucking cool. That's way cool. We are going to uh, hang it up here in the garage. Right on. There's so you got to open that up. There's a cylinder here with a lid on it that says "Liza's Nuts." And, and a hand drawn <laughs> drawing of my face. And, uh, it's probably the most accurate. Okay, you have I've to pull seen. it out. Okay, so I mean, in, inside there. <laughs> it looks like there's a, note, there's a note to read. I don't know so, how, so, how to describe this. Read the note. Yeah, please, um, please. Those it, of us that can't says, see it, it's uh, oh, the, they're jingling. It's a very accurate. <laughs> it's a, it looks of, like a crocheted scrotum. Um, scrotum. Yes, with a <laughs> hair. hair up top. Oh my god! And they jingle. It says, uh, Dear Recycle Crew, I know how much you enjoy truck balls, so please enjoy these handmade nuts. They give you seven extra horsepower, guaranteed. They also contain bells to ward off road gremlins, and as you know, can only be gifted, not bought. Love, creative writing. Thank awesome. you very much. These are yes, great. They're great. Um, who wants to be my bag in first? a jar. <laughs> so, yeah, Eliza's nuts in a jar. They look like a cat toy or a tree ornament. I'm not sure. Buff. It would make a good good cat toy. There's something else in here. Hold on. (laughs) Ouch. Uh, Rechargeable LED flashlight (laughs) by Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson flashlight. That's great because flashlights are like gold around here. That's great. Thank you very much for sending this. Really cool. Some some more some some notes in there. uh, There's another note. Oh, there is. There's a two-page note here. There's a drawing. And there's drawing. Right off the bat, I see. Except for Lucas. I think there's a schematic (laughs) on the back. Uh, do you want me to read this? Yes, please. Yes. 
Happy holidays. Hello, Recycle Crew. I hope this letter finds you cruising hard and in good spirits. I don't know who, but someone accidentally followed our podcast on SoundCloud. I hope it was an accident because that shows a serious lack of proper judgment if it was intentional. <laughs> I digress, but not before saying that all of us were ecstatic. The office filled with cries of joy and boners. <laughs> since I'm the it's only one, one here, <laughs> since I'm the only one here full time, it was really just me standing in a closet with a boner screaming. Oh man, you remind me of my childhood. <laughs> that's not, you too, huh? That's not unusual. <laughs> but on that particular day, it was for all the right reasons. Hooray! I can't tell you how much joy and laughter your show has brought us over here. Over uh, brought us has brought us here over the past year as well as inspiration and an aspiration as to what a good show can be and what's possible through community your group of misfits allows me to live vicariously and enjoy the spirit of community that each one of you embody and embrace except for lucas (laughs) he wakes up just Just kidding kidding. (laughs) i almost stopped by on another on our road trip up the coast this past summer but i didn't want my three-year-old and five-year-old kids to get dicked or coin slotted (laughs) (laughs) you gotta wait no more sacrifice the children sometimes if you don't want your children to to be taught uh dick punching then (laughs) don't bring them around yeah or Uh, or if you do (laughs) or if you do anyways keep going keep doing what you're doing keep in spirit keep inspiring and informing one day I hope my daughter and I can sit around and re-listen to the show together I hope she has Liza's spirit her mom is going to kill me for that last part (laughs) oh well (laughs) she's already on her way and she's only five much love not enough paper creative writing and the bottom there's a uh, little picture of a motorcycle in the front by the, where the headlight would be it says fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> and on the back of one of these sheets it's a, a crayon drawing of, of some people standing next to a tree with a little kitty cat it's very cute it is very cute very cute should frame that and send it back thank you very much for, for writing <laughs> us and sending us and some stuff it's, it's really cool it really it means a lot it was super cool, cool. Especially so the knitted scrotum. I've, I, that. It's not every day you get a knitted scrotum in the mail. <laughs> 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 Maybe it's a scrotum warmer. You take the stuffing out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> little, cold little, little, nights, little ball warmer. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Mike, you want to give me a hand putting that on? No. Okay. No, thank you. <laughs> I only well, got one. You're only going to need one. <laughs> We're going to get to know somebody today here at the garage. <laughs> Tonight we have a special guest with us. Yes. Uh, a couple guests, actually. This is Serge. Hey. And uh, Serge, what 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 do you what do you do? I uh, run City Bike Magazine, and I also run a little website about lane splitting called LaneSplittingIsLegal.com. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. And we also have Angelica. She, Just say she's hi. in the peanut gallery. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So we brought you in to talk a, a little bit about motorcycles and and how your what you do affects uh, us as daily riders. And Rock and roll. So we're, um, we're going to start with a little get to know Serge since sure. he's new to us right now. So uh, tell us first, uh, how long have you been riding? A uh, long time. I think I first got on a, a probably a YZ125 belonged to my cousin, uh, probably 1980 or so. 1981? Yeah, the YZs have been around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this was, uh, I think this bike actually had two shocks, but it was right around the time they started putting monoshocks. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, good bikes. And 
what was some of your like favorite bikes that you've had? Because you've been riding a while. A little while, yeah. Uh, some one what of the bikes the I always kind of resent, uh, re- um, regret letting go of was a. Oh, I these think are it hard. Was a '69 CL350 <gasps> that I picked up. Um, from a friend of my dad for a hundred bucks. It was super pristine, right. super wow. clean. The red and white tank, you know, and nice. uh, beautiful. And I sold it a little while later for a hundred bucks. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and that's now the I can regret. Sell it to some hipster for like four grand. CL's the scrambler, right? <laughs> yeah. Scrambler, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, scramblers, of course, are super hot now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I learned how to ride on a CL three sixty. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Well, yeah. What have been some of your your biggest achievements as a rider? Have you done like a uh, iron butts or traveled or anything? Yeah, you know, I did a Saddle Sore 1000 on, on a press bike not too long ago. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, had a really great time doing that. Uh, uh, Connie uh, 1400 concourse. Uh, oh, that's too easy. It was yeah. almost like cheating, right? Yeah, no, uh, I, I did it on our 1150 RT. <laughs> they, they build those yeah, things yeah. as sport touring, but you can like ride pretty sporty on it. You can ride, yeah, it's a oh, big, yeah. big, heavy bike, but yeah. you can, it's surprising how uh, brisk you can go on that thing. Yeah. Where did you go on your loop? We, um, we uh, so I did this with another guy named Jay who rides for City Bike sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lives out in Nevada, and we um, it was I think it was like February when we did it. It was kind of a dumb plan, honestly. Um, <laughs> and uh, we kept look, watching the weather, watching the weather for like two weeks leading up to it. And uh, we were originally going to go south and like basically touch the border and then go into Arizona and then kind of loop around and come back to LA and drop off the bikes at Yamaha and Kawasaki. And it was going to be snowing on the grapevine and all this you know business, and it just looked horrible, horrible. So is that could, what you were waiting for? As soon as it snows on the grapevine, we're going to head out. That's time yeah. we do the South One Thousand. Yeah, I got my TKC eighties on. Let's do it. <laughs> but uh, what happened was we decided to go north because it looked like it wasn't going to rain most of the day. So we took off at like 4 a.m. And uh, there's a, actually there's another funny story to work into this is that yeah. the uh, the concourse had been wrecked uh, or not wrecked. Well, it had been dropped. This by, was new. You said. It was a brand new it, bike didn't belong to us. It got oh, dropped okay. by a member of the city bike crew. Uh, I replaced the entire right side of the bike. Uh, probably the night before or two nights actually two nights before we did a photo shoot with it on a Saturday and then we took off Sunday morning at like 4 a.m. Uh, and we were heading up five and some debris hit me and I didn't think anything of it when we got back to Kawasaki you know uh, the next day uh, the fairing that I had just replaced had been wrecked by oh, some no. debris ah. <laughs> anyway we went north to 299 um, 299 over the coast came mm-hmm. down through uh, whatever all that is along one and whatnot stopped off at the uh, Black Lightning Motorcycle Cafe for breakfast which is an awesome awesome place and then we came back down through the Bay Area went down five and then cut over to Bakersfield and went around over in there and ended up just outside of LA at like 10 p.m. or so um, and it was about I think about a thousand and twenty or thirty miles at that point so we nice. figured we were enough over a thousand it would probably be all right and we called it a day and we'd been riding, riding in the rain for probably the last ten hours so damn you know, it was, oh, man. Man. somebody hand him the crocheted nuts actually because you got balls <laughs> very good very good not got that just this morning, I got and, this morning. <laughs> so you're an everyday rider yeah I commute into the city every day what kind of mileage are you doing every year uh, you know it's hard to keep track of because I get to ride a lot of different bikes um, I have an R twelve hundred R that's sort of my day to day rider, and it's got thirty something thousand on it now, and it's probably three and a half, four years old. Um, I did ride that bike a lot more um, until you know started riding a lot more press bikes and stuff. So yeah. um, I don't know. I'd guess probably 
20,000 or something. I don't know. That's well, pretty decent. Yeah. yeah. But are you still doing like dirt or anything like that? I just actually got back into riding dirt a few hey, years sweet. ago. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I rode ATCs in the 80s and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and two wheel dirt bikes. Three wheel killer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, killer. Some of the best times I ever had were an ATC 250R. That thing was a beast. But, um, hmm. you know, uh, after high school or so, I started riding just street bikes. And then a few years ago, I thought, oh, I should ride in the dirt a little bit to, you know, get some skills and uh, started doing that. So. Yeah, you ever make that commute on an electric bike? I have, yeah. Actually, we had a couple of zeros that we were sort of passing around. Um, actually, in Abramo, also, we somehow managed to have a, these three bikes at once, and cool. I did that commute every day. How do you like that bike. silent assassin kind of? It's effect, kind of fun. Right? Yeah, yeah. Those bikes are getting really close to being like functional. You know, if if we solve the range problems, and uh, you know hopefully someday the cost problems um you know or the the pricing problems yeah uh, you know these, pretty sweet these an- there's some answers that are coming on yeah. this stuff yeah it's very close yeah and let's just <clears throat> now get to the question that you've been preparing for <laughs> Everyone's st- when we first like present this question to people they stumble on it i i don't know i always kind of had that in my back pocket like What's my up the butt bike? So, what what is your up the butt bike? I have two answers for this. Oh, okay. You, yeah. you got are prepared. two butts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at the same time <laughs> in a row. It's a deep oh, wait, answer. Is, is, your, is your wife stepping up for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I mean. <sighs> As we said in the pre-discussion, it's hard for me to kind of identify a bike that I really, 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 really want. You know, I, I would absolutely go nuts over something like with the rideability of the R1200R that I have, which I absolutely love, but maybe a little more power, like something like the KTM 1190 motor, maybe 150 horsepower. Or something Why like 1190? This. Oh, 12 damn. The 1292, yeah, you know, and I w- and somehow just a little bit of wind protection, but not more than like 480, 500 pounds. You don't want to be cruising hard. <laughs> <laughs> but if I had what to pick mean, a bike Morgan? that you know exists. This the hat yet? Yeah, you know. Put a price on your ass. Come on. Yeah, yeah. If I, you know, when I went into the the bike museum down in um, the little uh, in the, Pacific Grove or, or no in down uh, Solvang, yeah. yeah. When I went in there, uh, the things that I was truly, truly blown away by were mm-hmm. the Briton and the NR750. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And if I had to choose the one of those two, I'd probably go with the Briton just for pure cool. Uh, that is a butt worthy bike. Yeah. We we've deemed that butt worthy. We need to just have our butt worthy list that yeah. everyone mm. agrees upon. So we, we had a, a podcast recently where we talked about what every individual thinks it means to be an accomplished rider. What do you think it means to be an accomplished rider? You know, that's such a complex question. Uh, exactly. I've had conversations with folks uh, about how there are a lot of riders that are, you know, 70 years old or whatever, uh, and um, they've never crashed, you know, and they ride or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they don't ride particularly fast or anything, but they, they've they never crashed. That's something of an accomplishment. My dad uh, is probably that rider. He's 60-something. He just retired. You know, rides slow, takes it easy, never crashes. That's that's something, you know. Yeah. Um, so you consider yourself an accomplished rider. Of course, I crash all the time. But well, that's, <laughs> it's different. It's everybody's. Uh, that's not true. Everybody's different. At what point yeah. uh, during your your writing did you f- realize or, or think that hey, I'm an accomplished writer now? I actually don't totally. I mean, being totally honest, I actually don't feel like all that accomplished of a writer. I ride quite a bit. Um, I think I'm pretty good at the sort of dicing it up in the commute thing. I've got that mastered pretty well. Okay. Um, the combination of uh, of you know reasonable pace, which probably a little bit too quick sometimes but you know super high level of awareness and all this kind of stuff um you know i I think i'm very good at that um there are a lot of guys that are way way faster than me way way better than me in the twisties and i don't ride on the track hardly at all Mm -hmm. um you know i prefer to just hit the road and go and ride in the mountains for a while and go out on the road for a few days or whatever 
I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm a I'm a reasonably accomplished rider, but okay. you know, uh, I still feel like I. I still feel every day like I wish I was a better writer. Sure. Hey, I think Doug, a lot of us, a lot of us yeah. do the, yeah, exactly. Hey, Doug, I just want to throw this in. I think I, we should add to the, to become an accomplished writer that you need to be able to do some basic repairs to your bike. Wouldn't you say having some wrenching skills? Sure. Would a- at least qualify for main, maintenance, like chain and oil and, and coolant and brakes. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, accomplished I think riders know how to <clears throat> wrench. Yeah. Well, cool. Let's get into why we bought you here. And, and um, you know, you've been on our list for a while because, you know, you have you have a name that we hear all the time. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully well, in a good way now and then. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you're somebody who's making things happen. And so we mentioned that you're City Bike editor. So City Bike, for people who don't know, is our local uh, news do you call it a newspaper we call it a newspaper we call it a magazine sometimes if motorcycle I want to sound newspaper, fancier I say magazine free publication that is all about motorcycling and I remember that's the type of thing where you know through the years when I've done this garage every now and then people would bring me a copy and like oh you gotta read this article I remember one about this woman in the city who's beloved motorcycle was stolen and she wasn't getting help from the police and she was doing all this investigation and giving them information she was finding and they didn't seem to really care because they're solving murders not missing bikes and then she got a call from like a a tow yard in like fresno or something she said (laughs) finally my bike is found they charged her all the fees and towing and impound fees and everything to give her a carcass and she was just heartbroken i remember reading this story and just being like oh man and um just appreciating that this is a a local magazine that's not only hitting our local stories but also international stories and it's cool i mean it's it's not a glossy it's got some grit and and dirt to it but it's cool thing how long have you been I took over for Gabe, who was the previous editor, Mm -hmm. um, probably close to, actually probably a year and a half ago now, I think, actually. Mm. Yeah. How long has the magazine been around? Since 84. Oh, wow. Holy dang. It's a long-ass time. Yeah. That was only four. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I wanted to talk about some of the topics. You seem to be an outspoken person who stands up for what you believe in at times yeah for sure (laughs) yes and one of the things that i think is near and dear to your heart would be lane splitting um is it lane splitting or lane sharing does it even matter at this point or i i think that's like a semantic i think they all know what we're talking about yeah cool yeah i mean actually so there is a valid point there right right, not to go too far quite quite yeah so people some people worry that if you say splitting you know you're sounding divisive or whatever right if you say sharing you're you're being more friendly so we're always bragging about how we can lane split here in california there's no other states it's legal is that correct that's correct yeah which is ridiculous there's an interesting talking about so you're saying not it's it's illegal in 49 states it's technically it's it's not not actually illegal in 49 states right it's there are some other states uh it's not regulated yeah there's some other states where like california they don't have anything on the books it's it's not illegal illegal or not but the law enforcement organizations in those states uh write tickets on it heavily biased to give you tickets as opposed to letting it go right so that's what i wanted to clarify it's technically not 
legal here. Yeah, yet. and this is this this is one of those questions that kind of gets me going. Right. Uh, there are some folks who say, "Well, it's not really legal. It's not really illegal." Things that aren't illegal are by their nature legal. Yes, you know. So yes. we're on solid ground legally well, with lanes. And in the new motorcycle safety class that they just reinvented this year. They teach you that, yes, you should lane split at speeds yeah. of whatever, 25 or 35 miles an hour below. Statistically, it's more safe. So there you have a state-run you know, DOT kind of program telling you you need to lane split because it's safer for you. And Berkeley just came out with a huge study, too, that said it oh, yeah. is actually more safe to lane split or share. So and we had a bit of a kerf- kerfuffle. Was it a year or two years ago when the CHP removed? They removed the guidelines, the guidelines down from the DMV website. Yeah, which was a concern for us. Like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, they took uh, away the guide. <laughs> and, which is funny. There's guidelines for something that isn't illegal, but I mean, it's not really enforced. We all knew it was there to help us and to help drivers understand what we're doing is almost like a code you know yeah. mm-hmm. to follow and they saw it as a test what what are the regulations um set to be put in place versus the guidelines that were put up on the dmv website what i noticed was that the the law that's supposed to be passed to actually make this legal um they gave us a or they set a higher rate of miles per hour above regular traffic versus the guidelines that were on the DMV website. I think they said 10 miles an hour faster than moving traffic and the new law that's supposed to be put in effect is 15. The law actually hasn't passed yet. So uh, Assemblyman Quirk, who had the uh, AB 51 last year, uh, Budman and and I and uh, Nick from the AMA and a bunch of guys from the Alameda County Confederation of Clubs, a bunch of folks, we had a lot of meetings with Assemblyman Quirk and all this. And what happened was, uh, he had originally started with basically the um, the guidelines as the as the bill, mm-hmm. and um, we got Dr. Tom Rice, who's the uh, the guy at Berkeley, the guy at Berkeley, um, who the did the, the study. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, some dude at Berkeley, um, yeah. and we got him to come in and talk with Assemblyman Quirk. And Assemblyman Quirk looked at the data that Tom had given him and and said, "Oh, well, let's do this then." And what Tom's data says is that uh, statistically, there's not a lot of crashes involving lane splitting above like 50 miles an hour there are some but with the data we had it looked like up to 50 miles an hour in speed was okay at a delta of up to 15 miles an hour and assemblyman quirk is a former um uh i want to say a uh, probably not a nuclear physicist but something like this he's a fairly scientific dude and uh he wanted to use the data that tom had you know the dude from berkeley had done or had uh, compiled and analyzed and such so he changed the bill to that uh, i think actually that may be what and this is my personal opinion having been involved in the conversations and stuff uh, i think that's actually what caused the bill to rather than going through the rest of the session and going to the governor's desk for a signature uh, i think the chp may have had a little bit of uh, an issue with that i don't mm-hmm. think they wanted the speeds to be that high yeah so the bill was kind of put off to the, you know it's, it's tabled for now and it'll come mm-hmm. back actually i don't know if it's coming back this session that's what the legislators will always say oh it's coming back next session and uh the last bill um in california for um lane splitting which was um spacing on his name but a, a legislator from um uh jim bell uh which is spelled b-e-l b-e-a-l-l Everybody wants to say Beal. It's He's actually doing that to be difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that one was tabled same way, and then next session it just never came back and it and it died out. Gotcha. Yeah. How long has it not been illegal in California? I guess since we've had motorcycles. Yeah, because yeah. I was riding in the eighties and yeah. I used to do it. Yeah, there's uh, never been a, a law on the books. In then California. the question is, why is it illegal in the other forty nine states? And are you advocating for them or 
screw them. You're just working with California. You know, um, I'm interested in helping out in other states. You know, um, getting a law on the books in California um, would do something that California as a state where lane splitting is legal now isn't really able to do because everybody just says, yeah, you guys have heard this stuff. Like those California people were crazy. We're not, you know, obviously they don't know what they're doing. No, we're completely fucking nuts. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) having an actual law that has gone through the normal, you know, the channels and the legislature and been signed by the governor and all this stuff actually gives a a much more powerful example to other states to use. Right. Um, precedent most of the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's the negative aspect of of it being actually legislated? Now they could just impose deeper restrictions is that, is that the uh... there's some concerns from folks in the community um that uh once uh it is um defined <laughs> yeah it'll be a slippery slope and then they'll pull the speed back or right. whatever yeah and um are they equating lane splitting with like hooliganism like not really um in other states where folks don't split regularly they don't understand it and they'll often equate it with stunting or whatever right. um we talk with the ama a lot um and uh, some of the guys in uh, out, you know, in the Midwest and such, their membership, the the members of AMA in other states, will often equate it with stunting. They just don't, mm. they don't see it, they don't understand it, or whatever. Yeah. So, are, are, sorry, are we in jeopardy of losing? We have been in jeopardy of losing lane splitting for some number of years. Every few years, there's a bill, um, right. and every time there's a bill, um, there's a, you know, there are various uh, potential scenarios, and one of them is that it becomes you know, extremely limited, um, or, you know, the attention from a bill, um, you know, results in it potentially being banned. Now we have the CHP on our side and they always have been on our side. Um, and I think that won't change. I think that would be a pretty big, um, flip for the CHP to do. You know, the CHP has, has been in, in support of lane splitting for a long time. I don't know to get what they want. So, yeah, I don't know who, what people ride in the other 49 States, but I know my two bikes that are road street legal if you sit in traffic for 15 minutes they're going to overheat that's one of the reasons Without that moving. people a lot of times will use right you know um I, I don't, I, anybody got time to pull over for <laughs> 20 minutes let your bike cool down and yeah what the fuck one of the things that i you know that's a valid reason right and but one of the things that we've been trying to do when we're working on this stuff with legislature uh, with the legislature and talking with folks and all this with, with writers and with politicians and everything is that we have reasons that are super solid and and are kind of defensible right yep. and so um in nevada um probably three years ago uh let's see which session was it maybe maybe four years ago uh, no actually three years ago they had a bill ab236 i think um and uh, it was to legalize splitting in, in nevada and it actually got pretty far along it passed yeah. transportation and assembly in uh and then it went through senate a transportation committee and got to the senate and then and then failed there but mm-hmm. one of the things they did is they switched it away from um bikes overheating to riders overheating it's very hot in parts of nevada oh, sure. so it's a safety issue yeah, right? yeah. yeah. with all the yeah. extra gear we're wearing yeah so you know there's the the logic and this is very this is hard to argue with look we you guys want us to you guys you know who are telling us to wear helmets or whatever you know we want you to wear gear so you're safe um which is a valid point so mm-hmm. when we're wearing gear so we're safe we mm-hmm. tend to get very hot if we're sitting around in the sun you know and they need the uh, moto bandito uh, trip on handlebar fan <laughs> <laughs> So why did you take up lane splitting? When the CHP put out their guidelines in probably 2000, oh geez, three or four years ago, three years ago, something like this. Uh, Anyway, when the CHP posted the guidelines publicly, um, I realized that, you know, as um, a... um, 
official organization, you know, they weren't going to do a whole lot in terms of actual PR and whatnot. It was picked up by the media. You know, the media loves to go like, look at these guys on motorcycles doing this crazy shit. Um, but I realized that they probably weren't going to be able to put a lot of like PR efforts behind it. So I built right. this website and um, we decided in conjunction with City Bike at the time that we were going to give away, you know, um, I don't remember how many stickers it was, but we had made these stickers and we were going to give away stacks with them at every stop that City mm-hmm. Bike had and just kind of get the word out there. And it was, we funded it out of our pockets and just thought like this will be a cool thing to do and it it took off from there um it was purely to to help out i'm a my day job i'm an online marketer and so uh i have the the skills to help with that side of things (laughs) how important is it do do you feel to educate the non-riders about lane splitting i mean uh, i talked about this at the unification rally yesterday we're a tiny 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 minority yeah so um you know i want riders to be able to split well and and not crash and all this kind of stuff like obviously that's super super important um but you know given that um you know if for example, if we lost the support of the CHP, we'd lose lane splitting probably immediately where yeah. it's not a practice that's loved by drivers. So teaching them why it makes sense, how it helps keep us safe um, or how it can help keep us safe, you know, things like that. Very, that's very That's what important. I think. I, I think that a lot of drivers, because I think we've all had that where you're like coming down the lane and you get somebody who like inches over to block you. Like they feel like they're the police. Like you can't yeah, do this. Mm-hmm. Cheated and, and it's like, what, wait, what what's going on? Um, uh, on the same token, like um, we do need the guidelines. I've been lane splitting splitting up like uh, eight eighty, and I was like between the three and four lanes, and then I had another motorcyclist come up between the two and three lanes lane splitting and passes me. So now what happens is the cars are now seeing him coming and veering over in front of me. And yeah, I was like, lies, what that's, are that's you the doing? worst lane that's to split in. Split. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stay between one and two. Yep. Well, I'm saying it's like, what are you doing? We need our own code yeah. as well as the public needs to be aware. And in California, it's not bad. A and lot on, of people do know. And on the other, other hand, there's assholes on motorcycles who will split going 80 miles an hour and cut people off and make a bad name for people who actually just need to do it to get where we're going or avoid traffic. Stan, was it our good friend Rich who ping-ponged down Highway 1 between cars? Was that him lane splitting one time? I don't think so. He's pretty much, his mirrors and car mirrors have always been intact. (laughs) (laughs) So I would say, um, along those lines, anecdotally, I cannot think of a single non-writer that I run into that does not complain about it. That's yeah, a really just, interesting yeah. point because if you look at the the studies that or uh, the surveys rather that OTS does every year, they go and they interview um, uh, I want to say fifteen hundred drivers or so, and then a bunch of motorcyclists, and they track the the year to year shifts of you know how motorcyclists say they split, and then how drivers respond to it, and they try and you know uh, it's actually the same group at Berkeley that did the mm-hmm. um, the study. Did, did we reveal what the study said? Yeah, uh, I mean, I used to have all this data memorized. I'm a little rusty right now, but yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, basically, it, there's not enough data to statistically say, oh, you should split and you'll be safer. But the data indicates that um, if you're splitting in a reasonable, at a reasonable delta, like 50 miles an hour or mm-hmm. less, uh, greater speed than the surrounding traffic, um, you are less likely to be rear-ended and yeah. you know, you're less likely to crash. And the, in the crashes, uh, the injuries that result from those crashes tend to be about... Um, you know, 50% less frequency of things like, um, you know, major limb injuries and such. And I think if you look at the data set that Berkeley was working with, there was like a single fatality. Mm-hmm. 
I'd have to refresh on that one, but I think there was like a single fatality uh, in all of the like sub 50 mile an hour lane splitting crashes. Yeah, yeah I, read the, I read the the gist of the facts too, but I, I yeah. can't remember either. Yeah, it's, I got to brush up on this for the 2016 legislative session. So you mentioned the <laughs> unification rally. Oh, wait, yeah. Get to, oh yeah. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Legislature, legislature wise, uh, what would you need? What would you need to do in other states <laughs> to get lane splitting? Uh, he has such a hard time. Yeah. This is a good segue into the. This is a good segue into the unification rally yeah. thing too, because I'm I'm a, a little. Uh, I'm, a, I'm kind of uh, worked up about this right now. Sure. Um, you know... Uh, so is Bosley, I can tell. <laughs> Bosley's all worked up He's right getting there. all over I'm clenched. trying to keep him from snoring. He's just like, whatever, man. <laughs> um, Join the massage. You know, the kids today and the computers and all this... Uh, you know, <laughs> Mandy. Oh, really? Have you gotten to this point now? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, uh, people of all ages these days want to be able to like press a button on, in a browser and say, oh, it's fixed. So we're doing all this uh, online petition bullshit yeah. and it doesn't do a goddamn thing. Right. You know, it, it can show some numbers or whatever, but I keep seeing like, oh, sign my petition to make, you know, lane splitting legal in Florida or whatever. Like, yeah, it's nice. You can get some names on it or whatever, but it isn't really going to do a goddamn thing. Yeah. You need to get your folks together, you know, hook up with the state reps in your, in your organ, in your state for, you know, abate or AMA or whatever your local, you know, confederation of clubs or whatever. Like there's, there are organizations like this in every state. Yes. Find a bunch of those folks figure out who you know each uh, district's legislator is go talk to them find a legislator that is motorcycle friendly talk to them about the data we have from UC Berkeley um, build a relationship you know uh, take like for example the sample language from Nevada or uh, in Oregon or Washington where they've had bills or even you know bills from California provide that as a starting point yeah. and get people to write letters and all this kind of stuff you know you have to get out there and do some stuff so a lot of grassroots work yeah but that's totally. a, that's so cool that but you get involved in your local community get involved in your local government the mechanisms there absolutely and we can actually do that here we're in a lot of places you can't get involved in your government yeah. and make laws change but so that's how you do it yeah right? absolutely yeah so was uh, i wanted to get back to what is the unification rally so the unification rally is a thing that's been put on in, in at the sacramento uh at the state capitol um for probably, I think this is the fourth one. There was a first one that was sort of a, an oddball time, and then there were two big ones, I think, in January, the last two years, then this one, January this year. I gotta um, ask, why do you pick January? I didn't it's pick pretty it, nice but, in like October. You <laughs> yeah, know, well, right? you know, there's very good riding weather in January. It's a nice time to you know get on Highway 80 and go up to Sacramento. Um, so there are two reasons uh, that I understand are are the reason for having it in January. One is that the Easy Rider show is in Sacramento that weekend, so it's easy to get, so to speak. Uh, it's easy to get a bunch of riders to show up. Um, and uh, in previous years, there have been like five, six, seven thousand riders. Um, uh, it's also the first, um, I think it's the first week of the legislative session. So um, folks are, you know, it's a Saturday, so it's not like you're going to go in and talk to your various folks. But um, you know, the idea is that we show some force around the time that legislators are starting to show up and do right. stuff. Set the tone. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's uh, it's organized by various folks. Um, it's uh, previously been a combination of the Confederation of Clubs, the MMA, which is the Modified Motorcycle Association. Okay. Um, there is um, Bro, which is Biker Rights Organization, I think is what that stands for. Let me talk to you about bro. Bro. Sure not bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's a few others. You know, Abate's obviously involved, um, which is... Uh, American Brotherhood aimed towards education, I think is what that stands for. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and, and they always have Nick from the AMA speak, you know, and I guess the AMA is kind of tangentially involved, but not as, as an organizer. Um, it's, it's basically like 
you know patch and MC type club folks yeah. um, behind it. Um, last few years, it's been huge. It's been five, six, seven thousand people. So, and what's the big topic happening there? Um, helmet law. Yeah, a lot of people talking about helmet laws. Um, are, are you pro or con? That's a very complex question. You know, uh, depending yeah. on the day. That's that's a yes or no. Yeah, I don't know. You know, um, it's a it's a very complex discussion. I think you know, like uh, philosophically, uh, I don't like having a law um, about something that uh, ought to be common sense. I don't like you know more laws mm-hmm. in general. I'm certainly not like uh, you know bow hunting with Ted Nugent or anything libertarian <laughs> type guy. But, um, but uh, Doug was just about to invite you. <laughs> you know, but uh, I. Uh, I, I, I just don't want to have more laws in general, right? Yeah, like, I, right. you know, so uh, on the other hand, you know, a lot of folks in, in this community we're talking about that does a unification rally are still like actively thinking that it's not going to happen and it's going to go right. away or whatever. And like, come on, guys, we've got more pressing issues to deal with, you know, yeah, it's wasted energy. Yeah, yeah. This, this conversation's finished, you know, right. I mean, we could mount a big, strong effort to get rid of helmet, the helmet law in California and we would spend a whole bunch of time and probably some money and nothing would happen. Yeah. You know, and we, yeah. and honestly, we have bigger issues to talk about that need that we need the, the greater public in, in their cars, the, the rest of the world, you know, to not look at us like, oh, look at these goddamn idiots. You know, so I think if we if we do that, you know, we're we're wasting the limited capital we have. You know, so like philosophically, yeah, we really shouldn't, as humans, be dumb enough to need a helmet law. The reality is that that ship has kind of sailed. Yeah. Well, so you say there's other bigger things to talk about, like like what? I think lane splitting is a big one. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, you know. Fair enough. Um, Those two thoughts. I mean, I. Helmet law in a heartbeat versus lane splitting. Yeah, absolutely. Lane splitting. I mean. Two helmets, even I'd wear if I had to. <laughs> but you know, a helmet in a butt case, I don't care. As long as I can even even James from Canada, we were mentioning you guys coming down, and he's like, "Yeah, it drives me nuts." Yeah. You know, so it's like a a North American thing, at yeah. least. You know, that's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, the, the other things that I think are important right now. Um, we're uh, as a community, we're kind of continually shooting ourselves in the foot with with exhaust. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, um, my bike has a stock pipe. I certainly love the sound of a. You know, a nice loud internal combustion engine. You mean a troll um, pipe? Loud lugs. Loud, oh, that's loud. why. That's why you fucking elbowed me right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of my earliest memories with Angelica right here uh, uh, with motorcycles was I was like, check out my speed turbo. It's got this fucking sweet pipe, and I'm like, blah. And we were in an underground parking garage, and yeah. it was like instant headache, you know. Yeah. Oh, '94 uh, Ninja with a muzzy pipe on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So again, you know, we're, we're our own worst enemies. We're, we're yeah. shooting ourselves in the foot with this, and like, yeah, loud pipes are cool, man. Like loud, you know, a, a nice exhaust sounds good and yeah and uh as long as you're not like poking around to make sure people are looking at you or not yeah yeah you know so like yesterday tons of people with crazy loud pipes and it's it's a problem you know um yeah, yeah. You, you know we have get, a guzzi uh right now uh, a guzzi griso and it has a it has a ridiculously large you know physical size pipe but it sounds quite good and i actually think the manufacturers are making a con- it appears to me that they're making a concerted effort to have bikes sound a little better um off the showroom floor because mm-hmm. you know in california for example it's going to be harder and harder or well, you impossible. restrict them you restrict yeah. them and then the aftermarket market makes a killing off as Californians because we want to open that shit up. But we can't do it anymore, right? Yeah. So after, I think it was yeah. uh, 2013, you can't replace a pipe with... 2013? No, 2014. a... a 
it has store, to be stamped. A store or a garage cannot. Yeah, except do that. you can you, do it your fucking self. If you, you can. Want to. You can do it. There's, there's, no, there's, there's, testing, nothing, there's no, no regulations. No infrastructure in place to prevent. But yeah. the law that was passed that went into effect, I think January 2013, uh, basically can get you a ticket if your pipe that you've replaced doesn't right. have the stamp on it. You know, and right? everything before that is grandfathered. Exactly. Everything's grandfathered. But what's yeah, happened? I remember, I remember that going through. Yeah, and what we've seen happen though with the with the accessory companies um, is that they basically stopped putting pipes into California. Yep. Um, so yep. Leo Vinci yep. uh, distribution used to be We're not even going to tell you what to jet that shit for yeah. on your own. So <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's a, a much lower availability of that stuff now. Yeah. You know, like, the Leo Vinci uh, distribution um, company, uh, whoever it was that was doing distribution there, um, was in uh, Richmond yeah, or yeah, wherever. Yeah, in Richmond. Basically just shut yeah. down. They shut down. You know? uh-huh. yeah. A buddy of mine mm-hmm. went to their sale and <laughs> yeah, bought a exactly. bunch of yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, for cheap. Yeah, and a few shops have been hit with pretty significant fines from yeah. those. Um, so that's you know that's a an ongoing thing. Um, there's a another complex one that I uh, I haven't really experienced myself, um, but it seems to be a real problem is is profiling of motorcyclists. Yeah, um, and mm-hmm. that often means profiling of bikers, which is a pretty big problem if you're a, if a you know a capital B biker. Um, and uh, there's a part of me, and I'm going to get in some deep shit for saying this because I, it. you know, we love <laughs> there's a part of me that, you know, I'm going to get in, I, I have lots of friends or I have lots of people I work with on stuff that are in this like, you know, MC patch, whatever world. And um, sometimes those folks uh, get into a little bit of trouble and there is some justification not necessarily for you know mindless profiling but you know and you should be able to walk around in a a black leather vest and look like a biker and not run into any issues well and not just real bikers but maybe tv shows yeah exactly you know so yeah you know the point i'm really making is that there are you know like i said we're our own worst enemies a lot of times and you're not gonna insult me dude no i'm not talking about i'm not talking about you (laughs) but i mean the the thing is there's a bunch of dipshits on motorcycles right like whether they're in arrow stitches or whatever right like having having a motorcycle doesn't make you like more likely to be a good citizen (laughs) you know what i mean no so um but in in general who would argue the opposite (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean like in general when you uh if you happen to have like a, for example, like a, a henchman patch or something, yeah. there's a slightly higher percentage chance that if you're hanging out in a bar with your other buddies with henchman patches, you might get in some trouble or something, right? Yeah. Not because those people are bad or anything. It's just like they're. they're, they're yeah, but on yeah. the flip side too, like we had uh, some members of the Baca Club in here, and yeah. they're giving a good name. Totally. To bikers. Totally. So yeah, absolutely. They're I mean, all out there. And again, I'm not, I shouldn't even have singled out the henchmen or whoever, because, sure. like, you know. They're going to get you. No, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I kind of walk in different circles, right? So I, I don't really care too much, you know? Uh, um, but um, I, I don't want anybody to take what I'm saying as, like, oh, these guys in, in these patch clubs are bad or whatever. Like, they do yeah. a bunch of good stuff, too. But, you know, like, the data is there that, you know, Fist fights happen, trouble happens, whatever, right? So if you're walking into an establishment with any of these particular patches on, it's possible something might happen. So I can understand businesses not wanting those folks in there, in their shops or whatever. I would see them um, being well, the members, thing, like in the, the bottom yeah, yeah, members. Right, but the yeah. thing I think is that when you're when you're wearing a patch like that, and some you know stupid shit happens like that, it gets noticed. Yeah. If you're just some guy wearing you know a plain jacket who gets in a fight, they yeah. throw you out. They don't remember you. Yeah. But if you have a patch on, you get remembered. Totally. And that that's why it becomes a, that's that's how it becomes a problem. Yeah, yeah. And and it's the same as splitting. You know, if you're splitting. At a high rate of speed, mm-hmm. you get remembered. If you're splitting, um, you know, nicely, um, you know, no one remembers you, right? A lot well, of it is is the public's uh, definition of a motorcycle club versus gang. 
Yeah. And I, that's that's a big thing that a lot of clubs fight is true. And I think a, a I think it's fair to ask and we can just appeal to our listeners that before you stab somebody just take your colors off. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Never take the colors off. Switch to the camos before you go tend the garden, you know? <laughs> I mean to sum up the complexity of that issue though, like it it was uh as it became more of an issue in California you know, I initially was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, whatever. You know, it's not really an issue. Like, stop whining. You're big, tough bikers. Stop crying about people picking on you because you're wearing a patch or whatever. Right. You know, and like, um, you know, and I'm wandering around. And like, I got a bunch of tattoos and a beard and all this shit, right? So people mistake me for a biker unless I'm in, like, a capital B biker, right? Right, right You right. know, um, and uh, unless I'm wearing my black and yellow arrow stitch, in which case they don't know what to think. <laughs> like, where's you your know? BMW? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, um, you know, lie. but I've, I've come to sympathize with it a little more because it does seem to be a, a real issue. And I, all my previous comments shouldn't be construed as, like, people bringing this on themselves or something like this, but more like it's a problem that... And, uh, you know, people shouldn't be uh, harassed by police for any assholes. particular thing, yeah. you know. No. Um, yeah. no. Well, you get your hair cut bad once and you're like, fuck all hairdressers. I hate <laughs> but at the same time, it's same, kind of fun to do that thing. kind of shit. So yeah. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to kind of get back to City Bike. Cause yeah. It is a cool thing. Do you have any upcoming articles or topics that you'd like to kind of share that are, you know, coming to the forefront? Yeah, uh, I, we're going to talk about the unification rally in this next issue, <laughs> uh, of course, um, uh, and uh, you know all the things that come along with that. And then the other thing that's been kind of on my mind lately is the uh, the MIC, the Motorcycle Industry Council, um, released a um, some findings yeah. um, that uh, the you know the percentage of women riders has increased, and uh, that's an excellent you know that's it's that's been excellent blowing up news. my Facebook. Yeah, it has. And and I tend to sort of be a little dismissive and kind of jaded and assholeish about them. Like how many studies have there been? Well, yeah, and I don't you know, I don't know what their methodologies were, but the thing that kind of chafed my hide, so to speak, was that it was over like a 20-year well, sure. period or of, something. Of course you know? there are more women. There are also more men riding now than ever and before. And there's less women staying home and making cookies. I mean, you know what I, no. Do you know what well, I mean? I yeah. mean, society but, has been changing and it's yeah. the acceptance. Yeah. Whereas this has been a considered a masculine sport that yeah. wasn't as acceptable 20 years ago. Yeah. But my my beef it with it is that the MIC is an industry organization. Yeah. And the industry itself does a shitty job of creating a welcoming oh, um, yeah. environment for yeah. women motorcyclists. Totally. Unless you want to like wear these, you know, Icon doesn't make these boots anymore that I know of, but they were like, you know, like the knee high bunch yeah. of like buckles and like six inch heel. Like who in the hell is going to ride in that? You know? Yeah. And, and there's a lot of that kind of crap. And as a dude, I'm not really qualified to say what women want or not, but a lot of women that ride that I know say things like those are stupid, yeah. you know? And, and, uh, you should work for a certain local, uh, apparel company. Over the hill in San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I, the idea. I, I'm kind of, I mean, you know, again, I'm kind of jaded and, and angry in general and all that, but, you know, uh, I think this stuff is stupid. You know, like the fact that, like, when we were looking for gear for Angelica, you know, several times we'd go into various stores and, like, there's just nothing, you know. It's yeah. like no. yeah. me and Jake. My, my daughter deals with that. She's like, all the women's gear sucks. She goes, I, I would wish I fit into men's gear because yeah. a there's way more options. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it seems like ten times more options, 
and like all like in most of the girl shit, she's like, I don't want to wear that. Yeah, yeah. it's crappy like pretend motorcycle. Perfect gear for example. The most part. Yeah. I was in Road Rider this afternoon. A couple of women. They have their own little section for women stuff. The two women walked by me, said, "Hell with this stuff. I'm going to go try on the men's stuff. Something that's usable." There were two and different women that walked from the women's section over into the men's right. section and, and because road, they couldn't find anything that yeah. was appropriate. Yeah, and Road, road Riders is a shop that, that actually does a really yeah. good job of, of yeah. stocking women's Very gear. Good shop, yeah. It's mm-hmm. just that the manufacturers aren't making stuff that's really good. And and I think really what it comes down to is these manufacturers need to hire more women to, yeah. to design and and, and figure out what kind of gears is, <laughs> is wanted and what, what's needed. Women, not lumberjacks. First thing I say is more pink. <laughs> really? I bet you any money, oh, any other country in the world is going to have a lot better women's gear than yeah. the USA. The, the, well, next, the it, next thing I say is more truck balls. Yeah. <laughs> no, truck balls. So, so tr- try visiting another country, like, um, you know what the gear is in like a company like country like Malaysia. It's take any jacket, wear it backwards, and you're good to go. Yeah. Um, like like no, crisscross? If you're yeah. talking about gear and what's available um, 30 years ago, hmm. I wasn't wearing gear. I couldn't afford gear. That was yeah. for like the BMW riders. I was wearing my a garbage bag no a leather jacket i wore a leather jacket that i got at a vintage store because it had leather arms and i thought i'm good yeah that was my winter coat in boston on my motorcycle um the fact that gear has become more and more common and affordable and better made it still is catching up with the women as well. But it's still, technically, to me, is still a newer industry. Yeah. The everybody wears gear. That wasn't the case. It was the extreme riders, the touring guys, you know, the racing guys. Well, you the get everyday commuters gear, right? didn't wear gear. Yeah. We wore hiking boots. You know what I mean? Yeah. So because it's still growing and because the women is a much smaller area there, there's a lot available but it's got a long way to go i'm curious so have you you have a better window than we do do you agree that there are more women riding and in what area what, what community more in the harley more in sport where are you seeing it you know um there's i think there's actually been a pretty strong presence of female riders in the in the cruiser side of things the harley side of things for mm-hmm. quite some time yep. you know you hear all these jokes about the sportster being the girl's bike or whatever which is right. you know kind of silly but um uh you know at the rally yesterday there were quite a few women there you know um the uh, yeah, I mean, there are quite a few women there. There's some differences in how that culture and some of the clubs treat women, mm-hmm. but there are quite a few women on on Harleys and on cruisers, you know. And um, I think there are more women riding now. Um, you know, you can kind of observe it, especially when you're you know going around San Francisco or whatever. Um, whether the MIC data represents, you know, like for example. Um, like young professionals buying scooters in San Francisco or, you know, actual motorcycles or whatever. I suppose Mm -hmm. that's kind of a moot point in some ways, but in other ways it's not because, you know, scooting around San Francisco isn't the same as like riding a motorcycle all over the place. Right. You know, um, 
Although I welcome anyone who's jumping on two wheels and maybe they'll join us, you know, on something that has shifting. Where do, where um, do you see this surge you happening? Know. Major cities across the U.S. or <laughs> we haven't actually gotten over the, the U.S. We haven't gotten the data from them yet. Um, yeah. One of our people was trying to get a, an interview um, to get a little more data, and we haven't actually gotten our hands on it yet. Okay. So I don't know what the the methodology is. You know, I imagine that in urban centers, like maybe uh, you know, a lot of cities in California, um, perhaps even places like Seattle, um, you know, college New York, or, yeah, exactly. You know, where where um, you know the the utility of motorcycling is pretty clear right. to younger people, and they're like, "Oh, cool!" Everybody's got a Ninja Two Fifty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, so so there's that. But beyond the question of gear, the other thing I wanted to get to mm-hmm. on this was that um, the availability of bikes that make sense for people with shorter legs, whether they're female or mm-hmm. or male, um, and you know, bikes that aren't like crazy heavy. Uh, there's not a lot of stuff in this space it's come back a little bit the last couple years you know we have um you know yamaha's got their r3 and of course the ninja 250 slash 300 um ktm's got a couple of pretty bitchin uh pretty good starter bikes that can be real bikes you know too the 390s um there are um you know kawasaki's got this vulcan s which is like a cruiser with adjustable ergonomics and it's actually yeah. a pretty cool bike other than you so know. you may be answering the question i'm about to ask right now i want to clarify if, if somebody a woman Came up to you and said, I want to get into riding. Name three bikes you'd recommend. What's your top three right now? How tall are they? Yeah, how tall are they? Yeah. Average <laughs> woman. Five five. Yeah. Yeah. The five six. What happens is that women get steered toward cruisers a lot of times because mm-hmm. the seats are really low. Mm-hmm. The riding position, I think, honestly, if I had started riding on something with forward controls, I would have not liked it very much. So I, I would steer away from something like that, even though a lot of women seem to end up on, you know, cruisers because the seats are so low. They get directed this way because yep. of, you know, that. Um, I think that probably any of the... Um, any of the smaller kind of sport bikey standard kind of things are probably pretty good. The Ninja 300 has a pretty good um, ergonomic setup where it's not like real tilted forward. It's a fairly, it's like a standard riding position almost on mm-hmm. a sporty looking bike. Right. right. That's a good one. Um, the CB500F, I think it is. It's a kind of a midsize, yeah, a you good know, one. standard yeah. kind of thing. Um, the the KTM 390 Duke, a little bit more money than some of these bikes, but man, that's a cool little mm-hmm. bike that easy, easy, easy to ride. And that's and a bike that all the guys will be coming up to you and saying, yeah. oh, what you got there? Yeah. Same question. Bikes that were made 25 to 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, oh, let's see. Easy. Probably, um, we probably still had Ninja 250s. So yeah, you get a Ninja 250. Years ago, 1990, yeah, mid, late 80s, right? Yeah, Something yep. like that? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, Ninja 250. Um, there are a few cool bikes from that period. Uh, the Hawk 650 is kind of a cool bike. That's yeah, probably yeah, it not is. quite it's a hell of a cool bike. I mean, yeah. I did not just fucking say hello. <laughs> no. Good thing Lucas is out of the room right now because he'd be making fun of me. I did not say that. My name is not Douglas. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I steered a lot of people towards the LTD 440. Yeah, my little brother had one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, reasonable little thing. Like, honestly... I'm trying to think like specific models, you know. The Rebel. Well, there's the old CB two fifty two hundred twin or whatever the twin star or whatever it used to be yeah. called. Oh yeah, that the was BTR a good one. You know, Mary's Mary's Jizzer, the the Jizzer. color. That was a that was a Josie. cool little bike for her. So uh, for me, I think yeah, you know, when it came out the study, oh, more women are riding. It was kind of like, well, <laughs> no duh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that more people means. are being born every day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, but I'm curious to see what you guys have to say about it. I yeah. mean, the biggest beef, beef everyone has is the bikes aren't small enough and the gear doesn't fit. Yeah, Women's bodies come in a lot of different shapes, so they have to have more size variables. Um, and small bikes, I don't want to buy a small bike. I'm too cramped on them. So you're going to rule out a lot of the market on a yeah. small bike. It's, it's, it's hard to do, but here's the way I feel. Suzuki came out with a perfect bike for women and it wasn't popular and that was the Gladius. Yeah. So where were they then? Hmm? I said the name screwed that bike. The name screwed that bike. But it was a small, a little bit smaller frame to me, but a good engine. It was the SV650. It's basically an SV650. It was. So so when was the last time you saw a motorcycle being sold that actually listed the rider height that it was suited for? Right? I mean, you can buy a jacket. That tells you, you know, yeah, how big you need just, to be to buy a jacket. Just do a seat height, right? Motorcycles much more expensive, yeah. but yet, I mean, I can think of, you know, three off the top of my head that you got to be at least six foot to be able to ride them. Pretty much almost anything from KTM, yeah, right? Anything off road, with few exceptions. They don't come out and say, okay, if you're five foot five, twenty eight inch eight inch inseam, here's what you can go buy, right? There's just no way to know that, right? It just seems very simple, but you don't see that being done. So we're getting late on time, and I yeah. wanted to make sure you know you get everything in that you want. Is there? Um, did we say your website, lanesplittingislegal.com? Yeah. Uh, yeah. If There's somebody is in another state or country, can they contact you for advice on how to get yeah. involved and in where they are? Totally. Yeah. And they can reach you through lanesplittingislegal.com. Yeah. Uh, City bike. Dot com is online. It is a shitty website online, yes. It is. <laughs> but shitty, shitty <laughs> website. if you want to know you? what's going on in the San Francisco Bay Area, or does it go further than that? I mean, we're sort of like up into the North Bay, into the Central Valley, a little bit south into the peninsula. Um, you can Santa also Cruz. subscribe, as I have done. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> and have it come right to you. Was there any other things that you wanted to say? I assume at citybike.com. Any other things that you wanted to share? Yeah, the um, the I mentioned earlier that the um, you know the rally and and the and political issues and legislation and stuff have, have been kind of like uh, uh, almost sort of like an open sore recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's why. Um, and and so I'm going to use this as a little bit of a soap uh, soapbox. Please uh, do. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yes. Please do. Yes. Occasionally. So the reason uh, the reason I'm so uh, uh, you know I've been talking a lot about the patch guys and all this stuff and and the, the MC guys and the independents and they have all these different names for people who aren't in clubs and aren't and whatever and, and I don't really give a shit about any of that right because I'm just a guy on a motorcycle and I like to go ride. Yeah. Um, and I like to commute on my bike and I like to, you know, do that stuff. Um, but the interesting thing about the, the MC folks is that they are able to bring these huge numbers. They have these communication systems that are built into the, in the sort of club hierarchies and they're able to bring out huge numbers of peoples. And that's why the peoples, huge numbers of people. Uh, and that's why the, the unification rallies up until this year, which was a little bit smaller, have been huge. Um, you know, thousands of riders come out. Um, and... Early on, I kind of went like, yeah, they're not doing any outreach to the sport bikers or the, you know, the touring guys or whatever. And I bitched about that. We bitched about that in City Bike like it was their fault somehow. Um, and we <laughs> sort of like looked at uh, sort of uh, uh, what's what I'm looking for. We sort of just like diminished the value of them bringing out all these people and showing up at hearings and all this kind of stuff because they weren't including us, so yeah. to speak. Right. Like, wah, wah, wah. And <laughs> it came to me a little while ago that. We actually have a solution to that problem, which is just get some other fucking riders to show up, right? Yeah. And uh, so this year, 
we decided to do that. And Budman, who runs Barf, mm-hmm. uh, and I um, uh, came up with this. Uh, we hashed a plan, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, it was, we're going to have a ride to the rally, and we're going to get a bunch of other people to show up. And we thought it was a pretty foolproof plan, because I know a bunch of riders that care about this stuff. And uh, what happened was, we set up the ride, and not a lot of people showed up. Uh, and we had some discussions about it uh, on Barf and elsewhere. And, and a lot of people said, like, I don't understand what the cruiser guys are up to. I don't care. Um, a lot of people said I get involved different ways and I'm not going to go to that stupid ride. A lot of people said it's raining. I don't ride in the rain and things like this. And what it was really, really disappointing about it was that I felt like on Barf, which is a huge forum, mm-hmm. when there's a political discussion that comes up, it often just falls flat on its face. There are very few riders that care about this stuff. And I mm. posed the question of, um, you know, how come y'all, all you sport bike guys, all you touring guys, all you other guys that aren't in MCs, you know, don't care about this stuff? And a lot yeah. of people said they did and they get into it different ways. But a lot of people said they didn't think that there was anything wrong or anything to worry about and all this kind of stuff. So that, um, that bothered me. It disturbed me. It confused me as well because uh, people like Budman and and you know Nick from the AMA and me and Butch and lots of other folks, right, mm-hmm. outside of the MC world, are working really hard on trying to help with this kind of stuff and also trying to keep folks informed. And it seems to be falling on deaf ears. And so yesterday, both Budman and I spoke at the rally and talked about the need to unify and actually get other types of riders out. And, you know, I straight up said, like, guys, do me a favor and, like, go meet some guys on fucking sport bikes and talk to them about this stuff and try and bring them in, you know? Do you, do you need some scooterists? We need scooterists, too? too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know We need everybody we can possibly and- get, right? Because the... Um, the thing is, he's snoring when he's awake. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like you know, I said I didn't really care about the helmet law because that ship has sailed, right? And and you know, exhausts are a problem that you know we're still dealing with and all this. But every little bit of legislation that comes along like this is sort of chipping away at the various things, right? And you know, eventually we might you know have splitting limited, or eventually you know, like it's it's actually not that insane to say that fifty years down the road, like internal combustion motorcycles are not even a thing you know and i don't care because i'll be dead right Right. but um (laughs) but i do care right and we should all care about like maintaining what we have as motorcyclists because we're enthusiasts we we, we're passionate about this kind of stuff someone gets in their car and goes to work they don't care about it right they just it's just a thing is it It, just indicative of like north american motorcycling culture though because i'd imagine this is probably a little bit different in europe and france and where it's it's seen as a legitimate form of transport where it is around here it's just a fun play hobby Toys. type thing. Yeah, yep, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and when they started, uh, well, motorcyclists in France have gone nuts a few times. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Know. I've yeah. seen their protests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the French yeah. just love to protest, you know, yeah. and then the motorcyclists are no exception. with their head. Yeah. <laughs> Fart in your general direction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, we have all these guys that are like, you know, they love to just like talk shit online and yeah. talk about, you know, bling and all this kind of stuff and they won't show up for anything, you know. I, I've asked yeah. for help with lane splitting stuff and I'll get like two people showing up, you know, and there, every year there's the CMSP, the California Motorcycle Safety Program, mm-hmm. uh, their annual um, advice committee meeting and it's hypothetically open to the public you know they never publicize it so it's sort of on them too but we publicize the hell out of it this year in city bike and uh there's usually like eight to ten civilians that show up yeah. and this ought to be something where riders are coming in like take the day off from work and go to the yeah. goddamn well, meeting keep doing it raise keep, your voice you know keep doing it and if you keep doing it they will come yeah well speaking of voices i want to you know extend to you an open invitation <laughs> Come on down anytime. Awesome. 
and because I feel like we're just scratching the surface with you. Yeah. I also feel like you're being on really good behavior. I'm gonna. <laughs> someone's gonna kill me for this. You're shit. Gonna <laughs> I should. I should kill my mouth shut on the profiling thing. <laughs> we can get you in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean anyone who's who's standing up and, and feels passionate about you know yeah. what you're fighting for on everyone else's behalf. Thank you, by the way. Yep. Um, you're somebody who I know who who you, you probably could speak a little louder too. If, <laughs> if, we, if we poked you enough, um, I, I appreciate you you coming here a lot, and and I hope that we get you in again. And because you've had so much to say we're not going to be able to get to all of our emails but i want to get to one and then we can wrap this up stan you want to share the email you got okay well it's uh because we sure we've been getting a lot of re- emails. relative to everything else it, it, it's a it's a good tip yes but it's i would say in the Just order the magnitude tip, of the, the things of helmet law <laughs> lane splitting this is <laughs> not there. Dicks. but yeah okay so you want me to just read it verbatim? Yeah, okay. go for it. Okay, so it's uh, from, do I say who it's from? Yeah, okay, go for Okay, so it. it's from uh, Jesse D. Walters. It's off of Hey, Gmail. Jesse. Hi. Uh, Hi, gang. <laughs> not sure if you've ever mentioned this on the show or not, but here's a quick tip for everyone who works on small bike parts. <laughs> I make a habit to ask my dental hygienist, oh my, after my checkup for old dental instruments. So basically, uh-huh. you know, hey, you got some worn out old teeth picks. Dental parts have a finite lifespan for, obviously, for the use in your mouth. Maximum number of patients per tool, so they usually have plenty of old dicks laying around or in the trash. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. That's cool. cool. Since I asked, my what dentist now keeps trash? them for me. Wow. Yeah. So they're constructed out of some super hard metal or some serious unobtainium in the things they poke your mouth with, yes. by the way. So they're great for carburetor cleaning or other small work in the garage. Or like if you, got, you need a toothpick. Here you go. That's some carnitas. I'm amazed how often I go for the dental picks versus some other tool now. You know, crescent wrench? Nah, dental pick. Um, I admit, it's gross knowing they've been in someone's mouth. Well, you haven't seen some of these bikes here. But they've all been sanitized, sterilized, so it's just a mental hurdle from Jesse with a couple of interesting pictures of uh, tools and what they're being used on. It shows like a sprocket being picked at. It looks like somebody's kind of working on, looks like a... Contact points or something? Can't quite tell. So that is true, and I appreciate you, Jesse, sharing that with us because we know that because one we, of our own. We have our own resident misfit that is a dental hygienist. Dental hygienist. She's, she's a dentist. A dentist. She and, so and she has brought us down. She's actually brought us a bag of like 200 of these oh, awesome. assorted picks nice. and interesting like gum piercing tools uh, <laughs> that we filtered through and we took like what we think we could use but yeah there was like a big Ziploc bag full of like maybe two or three hundred of these wow. things I have a bag of about 50 of them at my house and the thing that's amazing for me like I've always bought like you go to the hardware store and you get a dental pick and it's usually just a curved or a straight sharp pointy thing use it for picking out o-rings it's helpful oh, yeah. she brought us ones that have like s- mini spatulas on them and curved oh, yeah, or no, spades like and, like and, flat and, and they're flat and they like some turn eggs and like and i found yeah. that like getting um o-rings or gasket <laughs> stuff out that you yeah, can get yeah, in and kind of sure. shoehorn it out and um nice. yes that is a great tip and yeah, we have a tip, whole Jesse, bunch of you. them in our drawer and i'm I feel bad. We yeah. haven't shared that. The, the only, yeah, th- the, only the only, yeah. the only, right the only, should right in there with the Dremel tools, right? Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> only caveat I would mention with that is like if you're using a, a dental pick to clean a carb with, uh, be very careful because the pick's going to be harder than the metal of the carb. Oh, yeah. And you don't want to, yeah, especially if you're working with small passages and jets and stuff, you don't want to, you know, hog those out mm-hmm. with the, the hard metal of the pick. But, but they can be very useful. For I've used doubt. the one that has like a, a spade, a flat spade tip to pack the, 
O-ring seal in the bowl of my carburetor oh, sometimes, you know? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, just kind of gently pop it in. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good tip. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, again, I wanted to thank you for coming down. Thanks I know you're like, me. who are these people? <laughs> and Thanks for putting up with our technical difficulties. Yeah, man, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We, we did have some technical difficulties today, but hopefully my editing is Come got rid of all evidence of that. You might actually yeah. have to listen to the whole podcast tonight. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I want to say thanks to the... The, we had like 18 or 19 riders show up yesterday to go up to yeah. to the rally. And uh, one of the kids, uh, not kids, he's probably 30 years old. God damn. You're dating uh, yourself, <laughs> <laughs> This guy, Roger, careful. rode over from Modesto oh, wow. to join us in Oakland at Middle, Har- uh, Middle Harbor Shoreline Park or whatever it's called there to ride up to Sacramento to the rally. And I thought that was pretty ballsy. And then, you know, we had, uh, like I said, 17 or 18 other riders that went out in the the rain and yeah the weather wasn't to, great yeah no it wasn't great yeah it was <laughs> it was pretty chilly it was in like the 40s or whatever the whole way up there and you know but it felt like we um you know i bitched and moaned about the lack of involvement and all that stuff and i really do feel that way but i'm i wanted to say thanks to the folks that came out yesterday because it was felt like we made a little bit of a point by getting like 18 or 19 guys to show up in the rain and yeah. go to the rally sweet yeah, yeah, yeah and thanks cool. to you for fighting the fight too and and yeah. spending your time to do this it's important stuff man I would, yeah. uh, you're one of the people making things people better involved. for us and we're just sitting here reaping the benefits <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're ready to get out Charlie Zach. what did you get recently <gasps> oh yes my pet <laughs> Charlie is a new Vampires MC motherfucking prospect. Mm-hmm. Oh, and two days ago, as a prospect, Charlie had one job today. I, I told a couple people who gave him that job. Technically, Adrian threw a text. Okay, I wasn't through me. So, Charlie, what was the one thing you were supposed to do as a prospect today? Tell people about the naked ride. Yeah. Remind us to tell people about the naked ride. Doug, do you want to handle this one? Yeah, it's coming up. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Oh, sir. Can I ride naked? When's the ride? 23rd. January 23rd. It's a Saturday. We're going to meet here around 7, probably kickstands up maybe a little bit before eight have you heard of this before oh, yes. you oh, know yeah. about uh, the vampires naked so rise yeah. 413 laurel street but you haven't downtown. done it because i'd remember yeah, you yeah, i haven't done it yeah. <laughs> show up and expect to get naked on a motorcycle <laughs> for about half an hour maybe a little less and we meet up at a uh, community hot tub over at kiva uh the club is going to pay the first hundred dollars uh towards the hot tub uh when we'll, we'll collect cash or whatever for the rest but um, it's a lot of fun. It's really cold, but once your adrenaline kicks in, ain't no thing. We're also going to have a fire pit well, here yeah, barbecue, outside the fire garage. Pit, maybe some chili or a barbecue or something. Chili, it's, yeah. It's a fun time. <laughs> yes, chili. Maybe some cocktail weenies. That's all of them. And they've officially requested that more women attend. Yeah, not yeah. surprising, right? Who's yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, mouth no breathers. shit. Okay, I am. I am requesting. Yeah, no, no mouth breathers, and we don't need any help, quote-unquote. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to come here and gawk it, whatever, go fuck yourself. Yeah. No, so, yeah, it's perfectly legal, if you didn't know, here to go ride naked, and it's a lot of fun. As long as you wear a helmet. Helmet, gloves, and boots. Yep. And yep, yep. Yeah, that's it. Um <laughs> Zach, can you tell people how to reach us? You can find us online at MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com, on Facebook at Recycle Santa Cruz. Send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at... 
831-291-5112. Order pizza. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys leave that pause. Like, I think is. you're going to forget. <laughs> um, so again, thank you guys for coming out. And then I'm serious. I'd love to get you to come down again, yeah. especially if you have any topics you want to share to go out further than We're number one Northern in California. Yes. In case you didn't know. <laughs> kind of a big deal, Ron. Yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the three people who listen put us over the top. Yeah. Ooh, yes, exactly. Probably. So on that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. Um, thanks again, everyone who listens and puts up with this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we need to tighten this ship up a little bit. <laughs> We're springing leaks all over the place. I had too much beer. You smelled that ask questions. <laughs> but it's again, and, sorry. And yeah, for those who sent emails, we're still catching up. Um, and Steve in Arkansas, we've got your your voicemails queued to go. We are going to keep chipping away at them because I'm kind of bowled over by how much communication we are getting, which is really, really, really cool. It's cool. We love reading your emails. Awesome. Yep. So keep sending them in. Exactly. So on that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. I am Zach. Stan. Bagel. This is Liza. This is Knock. Bring, ding, 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 Cocktail weenie. <laughs> And Helica. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Jim. And Lucas is sleeping in the corner. But we enjoyed looking at him tonight. He's just the eye candy. He got, he got slapped in the face with a I got a piece. I'll rub it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get out of here. Cool, cool. cool. Oh, that, that doesn't work. Cool.